You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to have woken up this morning off of the back of Arsenal's second consecutive Premier League win. And I know that doesn't sound like anything special and it isn't really. But given the way Arsenal have been performing this season, given the struggles that we faced of late, um, it does feel good to pick up back-to-back wins and it does feel good to know um you know, that we're in better shape going into our next fixture, which is obviously against West Bromwich Albion in the Premier League. Sam Allardyce's side are our next opponents. And of course, we'll be previewing that game um, ahead of it, uh, maybe the day before. Uh, So stay tuned for our coverage of that one as well. Um, But yeah, so uh, I'm pretty pleased today. Um, Pretty pleased pretty pleased with the the second half performance the first half performance wasn't great I think we can all agree with that um, but the second half display was good um there was some some good football being played there was some good movement some good link ups um and and you would argue that they're things that we've all been that that we've been missing uh, for quite some time so it was pleasing to see uh the level of performance in the game against Chelsea and in the second half against Brighton, uh, it just proves that we can do it. And it proves that certain players coming into the side has made a massive, massive difference. Um, there's a couple of subjects I want to discuss on uh, this edition of the podcast. We're going to kick off by just quickly talking about Mikel Arteta's press conference post-match and his interview as well, in which he seemed very upbeat. It was a, it was a Mikel Arteta with a smile on his face. The Mikel Arteta that we've missed, to be quite frank, because results have been so bad of late and it's been such a difficult period of late. It's actually become a little bit, I find, um, you know, demoralising watching his press conferences and watching his interviews. But obviously, off the back of a couple of results, Mikel's got a bit of a spring in his step, the smile's back. um, And you can tell that he seems to be enjoying the job a little bit more at the moment. I totally take it on board when Mikel says and raises the point of what a strange and difficult season this has been for so, so many reasons. You know, COVID-19 had a massive impact last season, paused the game, didn't it? For three months, essentially, um, the season came back. It wasn't quite the same. We started this season. Things haven't been the same. Fans not being allowed in and then fans were brought in in small numbers only for the government to take that away again. And, And rightly so, because, you know, the the level of the virus at the moment is at a, a dangerous one in terms of the number of people contracting it at this moment in time. I've had it. I know that it is more than a cold. Um, I know that it, it really knocks you for six. You know, so it has been a really strange season for Mikel. Um, and I don't think that that's helped. I'm not saying it's an excuse for where Arsenal are at, at the moment. I'm not saying it's a, a, even a, a valid a reason to point to, but it is part of it. It is part of why this job has been more difficult for Mikel Arteta and some of the more experienced coaches, the Carlo Ancelotti's of this world, you know, the the Pep Guardiola's, the Jurgen Klopp's, they've probably 
I'm not going to say experienced anything like this because, as I said, it's a, an unprecedented time, but they will have experienced difficult moments in their careers. And Mikel probably hasn't got that yet, hasn't got that experience. Um, and so, uh, yeah, off the back of that, I do have some sympathy for Mikel Arteta. Um, it is, is the point I was trying to get to, basically. Uh, let me know you guys' thoughts in the comments section, though, as well. Uh, always interested to hear from you. Do you have sympathy for the situation that Mikel has found himself in in his first year as Arsenal boss? Do you think that he's made mistakes along the way? Do you think we've turned a bit of a corner now? Let me know your thoughts and we'll come to some of those between now and the end of the stream. Um, I, I wanted to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang on this programme, and you probably gathered that from the title of the show. Um, I said it repeatedly during the summer. I, I said it constantly. I felt as though Arsenal getting Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang tied down to a new contract was the most important and most significant piece of business that the club could do this summer. Um, and yeah, we we managed to do it and, and great. And we were all delighted when the announcement was made um, that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang would be staying at Arsenal Football Club. I don't think there was a single Arsenal fan out there who was unhappy by that news at the time. There are a lot of Arsenal fans now, though, who are with the benefit of hindsight saying that actually Arsenal made a massive mistake offering um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang the contract that they did, uh, given the length of it, given the terms of it, given that it would make him Arsenal's highest paid player, etc., etc. It's, you know, it's so easy to say that with hindsight. But I am genuinely concerned by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's form at the moment. And I'm not necessarily concerned by the lack of goals. I think he's got five goals in all competitions this season, which it's not great. It's nowhere near the standards that Aubameyang has been setting over recent seasons. But, um, you know, it's not it's not so, so bad that you can sit and, you know, really dig into him. I don't think. I think what's been more worrying is the level of the performances. The fact that he's... Um, his link-up play with the players around him just feels completely non-existent. That is my big fear. That is my big worry. And I, you know, he came back into the side yesterday, um, having been a substitute against Chelsea, uh, a game in which, you know, he'd just returned from, from injury. He'd only had a couple of training sessions. We know that. And we know that Mikel took the decision to leave him out and didn't feel that he was necessarily ready to play, uh, you know, a, a significant role in that game. He came straight back into the team last night against Brighton. And I didn't think did, uh, did a great deal. Now, again, you know, the first half, Arsenal as a team, as a unit, were not good enough. Arsenal didn't perform well, I didn't think. Um, but later on in the second half, when Arsenal did perform well, I, I still didn't think that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was at the centre of that, was at the, the forefront of, of the good things that Arsenal did. And that's worrying because there's no doubt in my mind that when Mikel Arteta was 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 having the discussions with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang when the club were having the discussions with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. One of the things that would have probably been said was that they wanted to make him the centre of Arsenal going forward. They wanted to build the team around him, build around his qualities and and the, the good things that he is capable of. Apart from that one moment yesterday where Saka put in that absolutely delicious crossing from the left um, and Aubameyang got on the end of it, forced a wonderful save out of the keeper. I still think he should have scored, but it was a great stop. And, and, and let's not, let's not, you know, avoid that. Uh, it's, it's important that we acknowledge that. 
he he offered very little. And and as I said already, the link-up play between Aubameyang and the rest of his teammates just feels completely non-existent at the moment. And if you contrast that to when Alexander Lacazette came on or the performance that Lacazette put in against Chelsea, that's why people are getting worried. That's why people are starting to be concerned. Now, I've always been a massive fan of Aubameyang. I've always maintained that in my view, if it was him or Lacazette, you keep Aubameyang because the goal scoring records over the last uh, few seasons are just worlds apart. And Aubameyang is just on a completely different level to Lacazette. But when you're talking about the overall balance of the side, I just think that Aubameyang playing through the middle as a centre forward and not uh, being capable of that link-up play, not really getting involved with his teammates, not necessarily dropping deep, not making the right runs at times. You know, I, I'm not sure how long you can get away with that. Um, I still think that he's a wonderful footballer and I acknowledge that he's probably just going through a bit of a dip right now. But you can understand why some Arsenal fans are starting to grow a little bit concerned by his form and the fact that Arsenal have invested so significantly in him. Um, you know, is it the end of the world for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? Am I sitting here now saying that he's not he's not good enough for Arsenal Football Club or that he won't turn this form around? No, I'm not going to say that. And I can't say that because Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for me is someone who's proven throughout the course of his career that he is a top, top striker. But Arsenal have to find a way of getting more out of him right now, whether that be playing him in a slightly different position, whether that be setting the team up in a certain way around him. I don't know what the solution is. That's Mikel's job. But there needs to be a solution because it feels like we're wasting our biggest talent right now. And, and, and I can't put my finger on exactly what needs to change in order to get that maximum out of him or to get something closer um, to the Pierre Emerick Aubameyang that we all we all love and and we all know is a, a top class player. Let's see what some of you guys are saying in the live chat. Did Arsenal make a mistake giving Pierre Emerick Aubameyang the contract they did? I'm going to put it out there. I don't think they did. I said it during the summer. For me, it was the biggest and most significant piece of business that we would do. And we did it and we were all delighted at the time. So it'd be very flip-flop of me now to sit here and say that it was a mistake. I think people are probably right to question where Aubameyang is at now in terms of his form. Uh, but to say it was a mistake, I think is just is, is kind of being a little bit disingenuous and being a little bit unfair. So I, I'm not going to say that, but let's see what you guys are saying in the live comments. Rob Graham says, now it looks like a big mistake, but at the time we was overjoyed. He stayed. That was something we had to do. Did not want to. Maybe he thought Madrid, etc., would come in for him. Interesting point. Perhaps Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's mind was not fully at the Arsenal. Maybe the circumstances uh, around the world at the moment in terms of the global pandemic and how that impacted clubs um, right across the continent meant that the, the level of interest that maybe he expected wasn't actually there. Uh, Haji Mohamed says, definitely, yes, we made a terrible mistake. They gave a wealthy contract of 300k wages a week. He's a lazy rat, Aubameyang, and he must leave the gunners. Saka's a hundred times better than Aubameyang. Aubameyang out. Oh, wow. I think that's a little bit strong. Um, and I respectfully disagree with that. I think that that is a little bit too strong. Yes, he's had a, a, a poor start to the season. What, we played 15 games? Is it 15 games? You know, it's not enough to say that he's just become a crap player overnight, is it? And it, and it feels more coincidental than anything else that he's suffering this dip of form now at a time where he's just been handed this contract. 
but also Arsenal had never been in in this position in the league. This is the the worst Arsenal side we've seen in years and years and years. So you have to take that into um, you have to take that into account as well when 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 assessing uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang's form. Hadji Mohamed also says Arteta and Arteta 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 and Edu made three bloody top mistakes. One that one sold our best keeper Martinez and loaned our young talent. Gwen Doozy. Um, so he's he's not happy with the, the way the club is being run at the moment. Uh, Omar says, yes, in my opinion. So Omar thinks we did make a mistake. Sell him in the summer. He is done. Uh, big hello to Bad Boy. Says, hi, everyone. Hope you're feeling better, Harry. Thank you so much, mate. I am. Uh, day by day, I'm getting better and better. So thank you so much. Um, Samuel Ingram says, Arsenal should cash in on Alexander Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and buy some new strikers. So Samuel thinks that neither of the two Unnecessarily fit for purpose um, at the moment. Um, going back to my comments on uh, on Mikel Arteta right at the top of the program, Graham says I'd be upbeat if I was him. He's just secured his job for at least six more months. So Graham very much at the view that with Mikel Arteta picking up a couple of results, he's really eased the pressure uh, on him from uh, from the Arsenal fan base. Um, Carrie Tanninen says the whole team has been shit. Stop blaming Aubameyang. If you listen to the words I've said, I've not I've not blamed Aubameyang for the team's form. I acknowledge that his performances have not been quite at the level. And often when someone sets such a high bar and becomes a talisman and a leader of a football team, you then turn to them when things aren't going right and you expect them to drag you out of a hole and you expect them to deliver. Aubameyang hasn't done that of late, but I'm not blaming him for a second uh, for where the team find themselves as a whole. This is an interesting question, though. Is he the right captain? And I would have to say no. Um, I don't. I, I just don't think he's vocal enough. I just don't think some players, um, you know, are captains necessarily. And and you know, I, I always talk about this. Long gone are the days of a Tony Adams of a Patrick Vieira, where you get that old school captain walking around the field, beating his chest, making people um, do their job with kind of aggression and and you know, rattling a few cages along the way. That that captain is very hard to come by nowadays. I, I genuinely think that. And I think that's part of the evolution of football rather than it just being an issue at Arsenal. I think that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is probably not the right man to captain the side. But having said that, he was our best player at the time. He was made captain. And so you could argue that he was selected because he, lean, he leads by example. Um, and and so that would be a fair fair argument as well. But for me personally, Aubameyang's not captain material. But having signed him down on that contract, having probably used the captaincy as a bit of a "this is how much we value you" um, kind of plea with uh, with Aubameyang when we were looking to get him to sign that deal, to take that away from him now could prove disastrous. So I don't think that would be a right move either. Uh, Rashid says players have dips. He will come back. Um, KC says, if Oba didn't sign, imagine the rage. Absolutely. If Aubameyang didn't sign, there would have been complete and utter uproar within the Arsenal fan base. I genuinely believe that too. And I, and I don't, um, that, and that's why I can't sit here and say that it was a mistake signing him up. Kevin Campbell, uh, former Arsenal man. Great job on Amazon last night, mate. Really enjoyed watching you. Um, 
hopefully you'll be on the next one as well. He says, hi, Harry, hope you're well. And the viewers are too. Uh, Tyrone Williams says, no mistake made. If we can't afford to buy the players that we need around him, then at least we can still sell him and get a good transfer fee for him. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, Rahul asks the question, would a more experienced 10 make it better? Maybe. And we have one at the football club, but he's completely being overlooked and looks probably as though he's going to be heading for the exit door sooner rather than later. Russ Morgan says, Oba still has something to offer, but he can't work through the middle at the moment. Yeah. And, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about the need to find a solution uh, to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's poor form, because Yes, he as an individual is not necessarily delivering at the moment. Yes, there are, are faults that lay with him, but equally, um, equally, the, the the team setup is not getting the best out of him, and uh, and I don't think it has been all season. Uh, Graham goes on to say, Harry, he's out for move on and revisit in May. Yeah, fair fair view to have. Um, Xander says maybe some senior players. And Aubameyang's inner circle have got in his head. And once these distractions are removed, the goals will flow. Um, what else have we got here in terms of your comments? Arsenal Granny suggests that this could be a mess at Ozil part two. And by that, I'm sure you mean he signed the contract and all of a sudden the, the, the form has gone out the window. Matthew Simpson says, I don't think it was a mistake. I think he made some good runs last night, but Xhaka and Elneny, couldn't find him. Bring back Partey and I think he will be back. Um, Robin says, Harry, has he become a slower player? I think his pace has been missing lately. We did discuss this on last night's podcast after the game, actually. So if you haven't checked it out, check out our previous video on the channel or if you're listening via the audio, check out our previous uh, chat where we did discuss this a little bit. He did look a little bit off the pace in terms of a couple of occasions where he tried to... Um, you know, knock the ball on uh, past people and, and get on the end of it. And you did sit there and think, that's not the Aubameyang that we know. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe the fitness is just a bit of an issue. You know, he has been out for a while, uh, a couple of weeks, whatever it was. And he returned to the starting eleven for the first time yesterday. Um, obviously, an unused substitute against Chelsea. So maybe, um, maybe it's just that. Uh, Chris Giorgio says, not overly concerned at the moment, Harry, but this could change. What sort of return will we get from Oba and William, though, aged 34, 35? Yeah, I think down the line, there will be a concern. Um, I, I really do. The problem is, Chris, that it's very easy as fans to sit there and say the club made a mistake giving someone this length of contract. But if that was the only length of contract that was going to get them to sign in the first place and you genuinely believed as a manager or as somebody running a football club that it was imperative that they were signed or kept on, then it's hard, isn't it? Because where do you, where do you draw the line between giving the player what he wants so that you get your desired outcome, but also protecting the longer term future of the club? I think it's a very, very difficult balance to find. I think some clubs do that very well. Others don't necessarily. Um, but you're, uh, you're right. I'm not overly concerned by Oba's form at the moment. Um, but the longer it goes on, I think that concern is obviously growing. Uh, Overlord of Procrastination says, I'm stunned at these people saying Aubameyang is done. Speechless. Um, Callum Ferguson says, Oba earned that contract before he signed it, to be fair. He absolutely did. Absolutely did. Um, Matt Simpson doesn't feel that Aubameyang, though, is, is captain material. He says... Um, 
He's not the right captain. Need Tierney, in my opinion. A lot like Adams in his passion and fight, he will run for a brick wall for Arteta. I think that it's um I think it's a good point, and he wouldn't be my first choice as captain. But the issue here is having given him the captaincy now, taking it away could be massive in terms of his relationship with the boss and with the club, and it could lead to a big breakdown in that relationship. So I'm not sure that now you've given it to him that you can take it away from him, whether he's the right man or not. Uh, Tazel says, I hope he starts firing again because he's still a top player and it's just a dip in form. He's carried us for the last couple of years, so it's only right others step up and help him out. That's absolutely fair as well. Um, he has carried us for a while now and um, I think we all agree that we we want to see Aubameyang back firing again. What the solution is in terms of how do you deploy him? In what way should he be utilised? Not 100% sure I know the answer to that because we've tried him from the left and it hasn't really worked this season. We've tried him through the middle and it hasn't really right. Uh, hasn't really worked. What about trying him through the right for a little bit? Maybe possible uh, solution. Maybe give Aubameyang a bit of a, a run on the right-hand side. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Um, let's see what else everybody is saying here. Uh, pretty much people agree in that, that Aubameyang deserved... Uh, the contract at the time and, and will rediscover his form at some point. Danny Boy says Oba's age is catching up to him. Yesterday we saw that. Osman Ali says the past is gone. The present is in front of us. He's been abysmal. The future starts uh, in the summer. He'll be 32 and declining. He offers nothing without goals and the goals have dried up. Sell him. Um, Ryan Adams says Turkish was saying this on his channel. He's 32. Doesn't work off the ball. Lacquer is clearly our number nine. Um, Marcin says, we got fleeced by Aubameyang's camp. There was absolutely no market for him elsewhere. And despite that, we paid him premium. We never learn. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Look, we probably did slightly overpay for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. But, you know, this was an Arsenal side that finished eighth in the Premier League last season and couldn't afford to lose their best player. And we're not in a position to, you know, with with our finances the way they are, given the lack of Champions League football over the last years, the fact that we finished eighth and the fact that we're in the midst of a go global pandemic, Arsenal were never going to be in a strong bargaining position. And we're going to have to push the boundaries, in my opinion, to get a deal for Aubameyang done. That's what they did. We were all delighted at the time. And that's just the way it is. Sometimes these things don't work out. Um, I'm still hopeful that Aubameyang will turn that form around and that this form is, um, you know, is it, temporary, class is permanent. Let's give him a bit longer and uh, and see um, see where it goes. See where it goes. Uh, Graham agrees about the captaincy. You can't take it away now. If there's another potential captain out there, let it improve it and then it can be easily moved on in time. Um uh, Rahul asks, is Pepe being pushed out of the team with the performances of Saka and Gabi? Yeah, look, as long as they're performing, Pepe shouldn't be in the team. Simple as that. Pepe's had chances, not always delivered. Sometimes I think he's been harshly criticised, uh, but at other periods, I, I think it's been warranted and it's been justified. And um, Saka and Gabi have proved in the last couple of games that you can do something despite the team not necessarily functioning at its absolute maximum for what it's worth as well. I didn't think that Gabriel was uh, Gabriel Martinelli was great yesterday. Um, but I put that down to the fact that he's young inconsistencies will occur 
and he's still recovering from that injury. I think he's played too much football, if anything, uh, since his return. But that's another debate for another day, I'm sure. Uh, Tazel says, the problem is we don't have any real leaders in the squad. The new boys, Tierney, Gabriel and Partey, have the qualities, but I wouldn't put that pressure on them yet. I agree with that. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying, and then we'll move on to another subject, but we'll take a few more comments uh, on this. Uh, Stephen says, I don't think it's fair to take away the captaincy, but it will come right, and we still need work. Lacazette should start. Yeah. Um, like if he's not performing, then he doesn't play, um, or he probably shouldn't play. If the combination of Lacazette, Saka and Martinelli is working, then you've got to stick with it, at least for the time being, I think. Uh, Chris says, uh, do you think Mikel has the balls to drop him if he doesn't start performing? Answer is, Chris, no, I don't. Um, and I think the fact that he came back into the starting eleven yesterday, and I know that Lacazette is said to have had a bit of a back problem, but... You know, I I just think that throughout Mikel Arteta's tenure, we've seen that he's very keen on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, obviously made a big song and dance uh, to keep him, ended up getting the club to to break the bank to do so, um, which we were all, as I keep saying, delighted about at the time. But I just think that given all of that backing um, and given what Aubameyang's done for him, which is essentially win him an FA Cup, I, I don't think he'll drop him. Um, I really don't. I think he'll always find a way of trying to shoehorn a Bamiang into the side, even when his performances aren't great. And that could be to the detriment of the side. Um, Matthew Simpson asks about the links to Isco. Come and join me today at 4.30 uh, for our transfer update show. And I'll be going through that um, on that one. We'll be talking solely transfers on that program, um, on that live stream. So come and join me if you're listening via the audio. Uh, that'll be out for you guys first thing uh, on, what day is it today? I've lost track of the days with this Christmas thing. Uh, it'll be Thursday morning. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that as well. Um, and again, those of you asking about the Diego Costa rumours, again, we'll touch on that again briefly uh, during today's transfer update show, which is coming at 4.30pm. So if you haven't already, subscribe like the video. And if you're subscribed to the channel, that way you'll get a notification every single time we go live. I can see there's over 160 of you watching us live at the moment. And I'm sure there'll be thousands later on as there always is uh, nowadays, which is excellent. Um, but if I could ask you guys to please hit that like button, I'd be very, very grateful. There's only 27 likes on the video so far, which just feels a little bit light given the number of people watching at the moment. So please uh, do that. If you're listening via the audio platforms, be sure to um, leave us a review, a five-star review on whatever podcast platform it is you're listening from. But please leave us a comment as well. That really does help too. Um, and, and whether it's positive or negative, I want to hear from you guys what you'd like to change, what you'd like to maybe see done uh, slightly differently on the channel. Um, but as I said, throughout January, we'll be bringing you two live streams a day. Um, so stay tuned, turn your notifications off, and that way, You'll never miss a thing. Right, let's um let's discuss uh before we we go, let's discuss Emil Smith Rowe. Is Emil Smith Rowe the real deal? Is he the player that Arsenal have been missing for all this time? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Fire away and we'll start discussing uh, what you guys are having to say as well. But let me give you my uh, brief sort of take on Emil Smith-Rowe and what he's brought to the team. I think he's brought a sophistication to the team in that midfield position. And, and I'm talking about that advanced midfield position. You know, it, it's just when you compare the way that 
Emil Smith Rowe plays that role, and you compare the way that Joe Willock plays that role, I think it's apples and pears. It's completely different. It is, it's, you know, the reason for that is because I just feel like he's a more sophisticated footballer. Yes, he's got a lot less experience at the top level than Joe Willock, but at the end of the day, if you're good enough, you're good enough. And when I look at Emil Smith Rowe, he's absolutely good enough. I've been beating the Emil Smith Rowe drum for a long, long time. Um, I've always said that of the, the current crop of youngsters, he was the one, barring Gabriel Martinelli, who obviously isn't a HLN product, he was the one that I've always been most excited about. He's the one I've always looked at and thought, this kid, at the very least, has the talent um, to get to that very top level. And he's shown in the last couple of games that he's been excellent. Has he grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, gone and scored goals, created goals, you know, really blown people out of the water? No, not necessarily. But what he does such a good job of, Emil Smith-Rowe, is, is knitting together the midfield and the forward line, is knitting together Gabriel Martinelli, Bukayo Saka, and whoever it is is the centre forward when it's been Lacazette in particular. He's just done such a good job of that. He passes the ball well, he carries the ball well, and he looks like a player way beyond his years. Is it early days with regards to Emil Smith-Rowe? Yeah, it is. Um, fitness has, has been a problem for Emil Smith-Rowe throughout his career as well. So I'd be wary of that and I'd be conscious of that when relying on him solely. But he is a really, really talented player and I'm really excited by what we've seen of him in the last couple of fixtures and long may it continue. You know, we talk about you know looking to the future. We talk about the need at times for Mikel to just say, Fuck it. You know, I don't want the, the the old guard in there anymore. They're not doing it anymore. And Emil Smith-Rowe is certainly someone that we can we can look to build around going forward. But it's that fitness thing that is the worry for me. I don't have any worries about his attitude. I don't have any worries about his talent. I do have a worry, though, about Emil Smith-Rowe's ability to stay fit throughout the course of a season. Do I want to see Arsenal add an attacking midfielder in this upcoming transfer window. Absolutely, I do. But Emil Smith-Rowe is someone that could play that role for Arsenal for years to come if he continues to develop, to develop at the same pace. If I were Mikel Arteta, would I be solely reliant on him now to the point where I would forget bringing in an attacking midfielder in this January transfer window? No, I don't think we're there yet. I think it's still early days. And as I keep saying, that fitness issue does worry me with a Smith throw. Fingers crossed he's over the worst of it now and we can see him put a run of performances together. But no, um, I still think we need to recruit in that area. Uh, but he has done exceptionally well and he's a really talented and exciting individual. Also very dogged as well. Also works very, very hard. You get that with a Smith throw in the team. You get that as well with Gabriel Martinelli in the side. And as I said yesterday, although Martinelli didn't uh, didn't perform like m amazingly well yesterday um I, I still think that he sets the tone in terms of his work rate and i still think that he set the tone against chelsea without really providing many killer passes you know attempts at goal etc so these players i think they're hungry i think they're they're the right players but I, you know, I still have that reservation about picking them every single week just because they are young and they're inconsistent and at a football club like Arsenal, will the level of pressure be too much and actually um, and actually end up hindering their development? Maybe, maybe. Uh, let's see what some of you guys are saying in regards uh, to Emil Smith-Rowe and whether or not he is the answer to Arsenal's creative uh, midfield issues uh, for the long term. Robin says, absolutely love the kid. 
Um, uh, into Yanan is of a different opinion and says, when will we ever learn as a fan base to never not get carried away? These players and the manager are trash. Um, Arsenal Granny says he is the, the the real deal. Ryan Adams says Emil Smith Rowe is the real deal. Dogged and passion what Arsenal is and should be. Uh, Carrie Tanninen asks the question, is he strong enough? You know, I don't think someone like Jack Grealish is particularly strong physically, but it's about using your body in the right way. And, you know, fingers crossed that's something that Emil Smith Rowe could further develop in, although I don't necessarily see that as a massive issue at the moment. Um, Sonny says Emil Smith-Rowe or Aaron Ramsey. Well, right now, Aaron Ramsey's more of a finished product, isn't he? But Emil Smith-Rowe, I would argue probably, based on what I've seen, has as high a ceiling, if not higher, than uh, than, uh, than Aaron Ramsey. I think he's more talented. I really do. Uh, Matthew Simpson says, I remember asking Adrian Clark on your stream and he agreed on Smith-Rowe. He can pick up pockets and drag players out of position, allowing Aubameyang to make runs. It's down to our deeper midfielders, though, to find Aubameyang. Um, Marcin says, definitely a player with ability, uh, but to be great... Uh, sorry, I don't get that bit. But to, uh, definitely a player with ability to be great. Definitely a player with the ability to be great, but unluckily, guys have hyped... Other guys have been hyped by other channels, Nelson Willick, etc., I've I've never been fully sold on those two genuinely, um, and and I think the fact that you're seeing the impact of Saka, Martinelli, and Smith Rowe in the last couple of games highlights even further that as decent as those players have been in certain competitions in certain games, they're not on the same level as Smith Rowe and Martinelli. They don't have the same level of talent, and therefore their ceilings are a lot lower uh, in terms of what they can go on and achieve. Don Arsenal says Smith Rowe attacks and defends and doesn't keep the ball longer. Way better than Willock and William combined. Nathan Hunt says Smith Rowe is a Grealish. I'll also just just to defend Joe Willock for a second because a lot of people are kind of using this as an opportunity to have a dig at Joe Willock, and I don't necessarily think that's fair. I think they are very different players. I think Emil Smith Rowe is a far more technically gifted footballer um, with a better footballing brain who will pick up the right positions just because of his natural instincts and understandings of the game. Whereas in Joe Willock's case, I think it's a bit different. And I'll tell you why it's different. Joe Willock is a bit more of an Aaron Ramsey in the sense of his strength lays in his ability to make runs into the penalty area to show the kind of energy that maybe some of the other players don't have and to show that instinct of getting into the box. So Joe Willock has his his benefits and has his positives as well. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make that point. I don't want this to be an opportunity to have a go at Joe Willett because it's not my intention. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I just think that Smith Rowe, as a footballer, is more my kind of player. He's more the kind of player that excites me. Uh, Machiavelli says, uh, Emil Smith Rowe sort of reminds me of Grealish with his movement and his deceptive pace. Kingsley Opara says, Smith Rowe is just what we're lacking at Arsenal. We just need a more experienced, similar personnel to help us push forward. Um, what else are you guys saying? Tazel says, agree with you, Harry. Smith Rowe is a quality young prospect, no doubt, but is he ready to play week in, week out? Not yet, in my opinion, and would still like us to go and get a player. I would definitely give him a lot more game time to get more experience. Yeah, that's that's pretty much nail on the head for me. Um, can he play every week in? Can he play every week? I don't think he's quite there in terms of his development yet, but I also worry about 
him being burnt out. So I'd argue that we still need to go out and get a player as well. I think that's absolutely right. But I am excited by what I've seen by him. And I do think that he can go on to be a really, really special player. Uh, let's pick up a few more of your comments. And before we jump off, I'm going to try not to uh, duplicate. So if I miss your comment out, I do apologize um, for that. Uh, Diogene says it took till the 26th of December for the manager to finally field a real number 10. Um, what else have we got here? Um, Mike Stacy says, yes, he is strong enough. Lovely first touch too. Um, Adam says, I think in four or five years, he'll be the player we need. We need competition for that place to get the best out of the team. Without Ozil, we'll need to strengthen in that position. Also need a deputy goalkeeper. Agree uh, with all of that. Uh, Chris says, got to give Emil Smith-Rowe a decent run of games. He can collect the ball from Xhaka Partey and Elneny, as well as drive forward and make that assist. Got to back him now. Mikel has nothing to lose. He's a better option than Sabayos. And does he not wear shin pads? You know what? This is a great point. And, and, and a lot of people look at Jack Grealish and say, does Jack Grealish wear um, wear shin pads? I think they, he does, but they're very, very small. I would argue that they're probably not worthy of being called shin pads. But uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, I, I love you. I think you're a fantastic footballer. I think you've got the world at your feet and all the ability to go on and be a very, very good footballer. But you just don't look as good as Jack Grealish with your socks down. That's the reality of it. You just don't look as cool. You ain't got the hair. You ain't got the style, the swagger of Jack Grealish. Just, just stop trying to be Jack Grealish. You know, we'd all love to have Jack Grealish at Arsenal. Excellent footballer, fantastic player. Very stylish in every sense of the word. But Emil, pull your socks up, mate. It don't suit you. I've got to be honest. <laughs> it doesn't suit him. It really doesn't. Uh Shout out to Hanan Ibrahim says, hi, can I get a shout out? There you go, mate. Um, thank you for joining us. Very much appreciated. Lots of comments in the chat about potential transfers. Um, we're not going to do transfers on this stream, but we are going to do transfers at 4.30. So in around about three hours time, uh, for those of you joining us via YouTube, we'll be live again. Come and join me for that. If you are listening via the audio, then um, it will be the next podcast to come uh, on the, sh on the um, whatever you want to call it, the, the list. Uh, so keep your eyes uh, peeled from that. Um, keep your eyes peeled for that. And we'll be discussing Isco in particular uh, with regards to whom there are a number of reports suggesting Arsenal are genuinely interested in bringing him to the club. So we'll discuss Isco in a bit of detail and, and at length uh, on our stream later on today. So come and join us for that. Subscribe if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at Chronicles underscore AFC. If you haven't already, like the video, you know the drill by now. Thank you for your brilliant interaction as always. Um, it makes doing these podcasts alone so much easier. So keep it coming and thank you so much for your continued support. We'll be back later on with more. Until then, take care. Subscribe to Nighty Min. There it is. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back very soon. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.